0: I wonder if they knew what it would feel like to be discriminated to the degree that we are every day, just for basically existing. If they might reconsider what it feels like to need a safe space, especially for your child, as you're helping someone to develop into their best self and give them all the resources, you want them to feel pride in who they are. Um, So even though all that policing is going on outside, when we walk into that room, it's magic.
1: Hello. This is Epicenter NYC. We connect our communities to news, information, and each other. I'm Sam Zacher. I'm a reporter and podcast producer living in Bed-Stuy. For months, I've been working on a story with Epicenter about the importance of Drag Story Hour in New York City. This episode is the second in a two-part series. If you haven't listened to part one yet, you can find it linked to in our show notes. In our last episode, we heard from those involved in hosting Drag Story Hour events, including two performers. Today, we'll hear from parents and advocates. I'll share more on how neighbors are fighting right-wing groups like the Proud Boys, who, even in one of the most diverse neighborhoods in the world, are showing up to protest these events. And later, some tips on what you can do to help. Before we begin, a quick message. Epicenter is a proud partner of the New York Indian Film Festival, which takes place May 11th through the 14th. Publisher S. Mitra Khalida sat down with festival director Asim Chabra to learn about the event and what film you won't want to miss.
0: I always ask you, what film should I be sure not to miss?
2: I think our opening night film
3: is very, very powerful.
0: And tell me the title again. It's
3: called Three of Us. Three
0: of Us. Okay. I saw
3: it at the festival in Goa in November. It was impossible. The tickets were sold out. There was only one screening and I somehow managed because I know some people and I went and there are times you will really genuinely weep. But throughout the film, you're smiling. I, I felt I was smiling. It had, it had very sort of quiet, happy moments, but I was also tearing. It had It, it had a very different effect on me than anything I've seen before. It's very gentle. It's yeah. very beautiful. Yeah. That The story I told you about the woman who goes back to her roots and childhood roots, teenage years, I think it's very, very powerful.
1: To hear more of their conversation, tune into next week's episode, which is focused on the Desi explosion in theater. You can find a link to buy tickets to the New York Indian Film Festival in our show notes. We also have a limited number of free tickets to some screenings for Epicenter members. More details are also in our show notes. Now, back to the show. Here's a conversation I had at a counter protest outside of the Queen's Public Library last month with a neighbor on the front lines. It's a really
4: insidious and uh, like awful twisting of language that these other people have used to like, they've replaced like affirming and representation with grooming, and it's really unfortunate. And it feels a lot like the calls coming from inside the house because I've never seen a group of people like this outside of a church where someone was convicted of, like, pornography or, like, having child sex abuse materials. Mm -hmm. I've never seen them protesting anywhere else where actual children are in real danger. So I think it's more about trying to deny people their, like, right to exist and to express themselves. Mm -hmm. And um, they're kind of using these, like, children and these, like, really wholesome events as like a scapegoat to like be hateful so I think it's great that the community comes out and supports and we're playing our ukuleles to try to spread more like positivity rather than matching their energy because to the children we're just a bunch of adults yelling at each other so you know we want to try to like spread positivity and like love because that's what the queer community is like about you know so.
1: Meanwhile, parents and children participate in drag story hours like this one, led by Reverend Yolanda. She took her audience on a journey from caterpillar to butterfly. In stark contrast to the protests, the space Reverend Yolanda created inside was safe and joyful.
2: That's absolutely right. And do you know what happens to a caterpillar? Uh, It turns into a butterfly. Yes, that's right.
3: Just (laughs) like this.
1: The parents I spoke to shared lots of reasons for being there. Many attend simply because their kids love it. Others were there to learn, and some went because it's a space where they don't have to worry about being misgendered or discriminated against. If you listen to part one of the series, then you've already met Laura Beth Lima and their child Baldwin. I want to share a little more of our conversation.
0: My name is Lauda Beth Lima, but you can call me Lauda. like turn the music louder. I accept they and she pronouns. I have my baby Baldwin with me today. Baldwin uses they them
1: pronouns and is nine months. And I can confirm Baldwin is very cute.
0: <laughs> Thank you.
1: Yeah, so um, how did you discover Drag Story Hour events?
0: Yeah, so basically, you know, they've always been around. This is not something new. But you know, the attention to this degree is new. But after becoming a parent in July of 2022, naturally, I started to think about what are some affirming things that I can do with my child, um, because we want to cultivate, you know, that sense of pride and community from an early age, so it's just part of their lifestyle. And so I live in Jackson Heights, Queens, and at Queens Public Library here in Jackson Heights, we have a regular drag story hour that happens, you know, every couple months or so. And so we just started going to them, and we really love them. They're just a beautiful place to be with family and celebrate, except for the protesters outside, of course.
1: Um, in terms of, like, why you bring Baldwin there, how do they react, how they enjoy it?
0: Yeah, I think that there are many cultures in the world. I have many intersectional cultures and one of them happens to be being queer. And that's not something that I'm pushing on my child. That's just a fact of life. They have two queer parents, right? And so we want them just like any heteronormative person would just let their child be a part of their lives. (laughs) Baldwin is a part of our lives. Um, And so naturally we want them to have pride and joy um, and feel a sense of celebration for the community that they're part of, sometimes programmatic um, opportunities can feel like we're navigating, you know, spaces and systems that aren't designed for us and don't include us. Like, are we going to be, you know, misgendered in the space? Are we going to be discriminated in the space? And it's always that feeling of like you're not quite sure if that's what's happening. But when we go to Drag Story Hour, we know that people are going to respect our pronouns and respect our families and not question our family making. And it's a safe space designed for us by us and I don't see anything wrong with that. And you know, a lot of people you know, are discussing wanting it to not exist and those people don't happen to be from the community and they don't quite understand what it feels to need a space that's safe for you because they have the assumption and the privilege of safety all the time, whereas we do not. So I wonder if they knew what it would feel like to be discriminated to the degree that we are every day just for basically existing, if they might reconsider what it feels like to need a safe space, especially for your child, as you're helping someone to develop into their best self and give them all the resources, you want them to feel pride in who they are. Um, So even though all that policing is going on outside, when we walk into that room, it's magic.
1: Another parent I spoke to, Amanda, lives in the East Village with her four children, ages nine, nine, seven, and six months. She told me about why her kids enjoy Drag Story Hour and how they reacted to seeing protesters outside. I think uh, taking your children to enriching activities
5: is a good thing. And being in community with other people is a good thing. And, you know, my husband and I intentionally try to expose our children to a variety of different things. And, you know, we don't want them seeing and learning from people who look like us you know, an effort to not indoctrinate minds, but provide opportunities for growth and enrichment so that everyone can figure out what they hold um, to be valuable, what they hold to be important, you know, kind of wrestle with what is justice, what is love, bigger topics that actually just by exposing them to a variety of things accomplishes some of that.
1: And so when you take your children to these events? Like what do they say they enjoy about them? How do they react?
5: Um, I talked to one of them this morning specifically because I knew that we were going to talk today and he was like, I liked it. It was fun. I was like, "Cool. what do you like about it? And he was like, the book and the reader. And I was like, okay, cool. I was like, do you remember the book? And, you know, and he remembered uh, we read a Todd Parr book. We have a lot of Todd Parr books. Uh, they also had snacks at this one and um, there's element of movement and You know, I just remember like talking to some other like educators and caregivers there. And I was like, these drag queens and people are amazing educators. Like they just are great educators. They hold the crowd well. They move from, you know, they ask questions well. So they're just really enriching opportunities in general.
1: So I was outside for a little bit and it was quite... Uh, quite the experience quite overwhelming in a way like I ended up getting overwhelmed and so I was wondering like kind of bringing your children in bringing your children out how do you talk to them about what's going on out there
5: yeah that's a great question you know we had gotten word and so we gave our kids a heads up I thought that that was important um, just to say like hey when we walk in there may be people there that are yelling things that are shouting things um, that so let's listen to them. Let's see. Let's let's so that we can process later about what we heard. And when we got on the block and we did hear the back and forth, you know, we we stopped and we checked in with our kids and we said, how does everybody feel? Does everybody feel OK? Do we want to walk in? Do we want to hold hands? Does everybody still want to do this? Um And if somebody had said no, of course you wouldn't do it because that's not, you know, uh, I never want to use my children or anyone's children um, for any kind of like political pawn or like social experiment or anything like that. Um, but they were like, no, it's it's okay. We can go in, you know? So we held hands. It was kind of like a beautiful moment. And we just walked right in because the other thing that was really nice. And we talked about this as well, was that there were also people on the side of love that were there. Um, and they were closest to us, um, almost almost, like as a shield if you
1: could for um, when the kids were going in. So we we talked about that. Um, did they have any questions of you? Like, Did they ask anything of you guys like while you were walking in or afterwards?
5: More just kind of like, why would they do that? You know, to them, it was almost like a no-brainer that somebody might want to go and hear a book read with like their friends and snacks and songs. And so for other people to be there and be like, you shouldn't do that they felt like was really silly. And I think that's just such a beautiful lesson, you know, like who comes out on a Sunday afternoon to like hate on an activity or to hate on someone being themselves. They were just like, that
1: that was silly that they were there. You know, we had a great time. (laughs) So that was really it. Rebecca, who lives in Harlem with her partner and three kids, ages 8, 10, and 11, said that they had a similar reaction to protesters. We almost walked down the wrong side of the street when we got off the train, and someone was like, I just want you to know that the Proud Boys are on this side, and everybody else on this side, and like, they see, obviously, that I had my kids with me so clearly, you know, I mean, at least I hope that they were assuming that we were going to story hour, like, and not there to be on the other side of the rope, Um, but... We've seen some protests like that before, and they're always, like, just very... They have this air of, like, why? You know, just, like, you know, why, why would people act this way? Why is this something that they want to protest? We're going to listen to a story. It hasn't always been like this. Years ago, parents didn't need to warn their kids about protesters that marched outside of their story hours. I spoke to Paula from Jackson Heights, whose children attended drag story hours before the pandemic.
2: So I'm Paula Trotto from Jackson Heights, New York. And I am um, a mom to two kids who are now 16 and 13 years old. But at the time that we went to a drag story hour was probably back when uh, Danny Drum was in office. And I think my daughter was probably about five to seven and my son about 10 or nine, maybe somewhere in there.
1: Why did you bring your children to Drag Story Hours?
2: I guess we were just curious to have something to do indoors. I mean, frankly, my daughter was very into like princess costuming and over costuming and like everything was sort of like exaggerated. And and for her to be able to actually show up dressed that way and see someone telling a story dressed in a very sort of like story narrating costumey kind of way was, was really thrilling for her. And I think at the time, my son really enjoyed it as well.
1: Besides the like incredible costumes, what else did your children enjoy about attending those events?
2: I mean, I think there was a, a really cool sort of sense of like uh, entertainer vibes going on because the storyteller at the time was just very into like narrating and voicing everything accurately to the book. I think we were shocked and I may even have a photo of like a really packed room. I mean, I think the kids liked like bumping into their own friends at the same place and, you know, everybody being able to comfortably sit on the floor or approach the storyteller. And there was sort of this sense of like, you know, the storyteller was the authority in the room, but a lot less or a lot more comfortable than a teacher per se, or a librarian, because I think the librarians were always trying to keep everyone quiet, but storytellers were always trying to promote the opposite.
1: (laughs) I'm not sure what the narrative or the commentary around it was in the years your children were younger, but given the increased interest in this and like the counter protests and the protests, have they ever talked to you about like their thoughts on that and like the reaction from the general public on these drag story
2: hours? I find it surprising because 5 years ago it seemed to be sort of happening at the same cadence where, you know, it would be a weekly or monthly thing at the library or maybe it stopped temporarily in the summer months because there wasn't as much attendance at the library, but there was never any opposition attention. It was nothing but like parents and kids packing the room, people just kind of interested that it was going on and that, you know, somebody else was reading to their kids in a way more animated and interesting way than, than I could supply at home because I was so tired. <laughs> yeah, and that seemed to be the end of it. Like, no one seemed to dig into the fact that somebody who was dressing in a different way was approaching a crowd of children. It just seems to be a renewed, bizarre, you know, point of contention.
1: Parents like Paula remember a time when there wasn't any coordinated opposition to drag story hours, but that's changed. Now, a safe space is under attack. That's why New Yorkers, like city council member Shaker Krishnan, is stepping up to defend and fund the program. Krishnan represents the city's 25th district, which includes Jackson Heights, home to the second largest LGBTQ plus community in New York City. He's a fierce advocate for protecting their safety and rights. Have you taken your own children to Drag Story Hour?
3: I have. Over the years, I have taken them. Um, they've loved it.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, why are you funding Drag Story Hour at Queen's Public Library?
3: Well, I think that Drag Story Hour is a program that really celebrates love, joy, and inclusivity and teaches our and inclusivity and teaches our children um, those values. And I think especially for our neighborhood, um, uh, neighborhoods of Jackson Heights and Elmhurst, really the birthplace of the LGBTQIA plus movement um, in Queens, it's especially important that we as a community celebrate these kinds of programs that teach our children uh, to celebrate who they are. Um, and these are exactly the kinds of values of tolerance um, and love that our children need to be learning at a young age. And I think through it all, the children just have such an incredibly um, joyful and happy time, completely unaware, as they should be, of the kind of uh, madness that you're seeing outside, Um, that it's just hate and and lies, really, upon lies about what Drag Story Hour is really about. And uh, I should just add to it, as as, you you might be already aware, but in the last six months, about 14 times um, these individuals have come to our district to uh, my home, um, office, public libraries um, for our events, too. So, you know, it's um, and it's especially offensive that it happens in Jackson Heights, where just a few blocks from the public library was where the Pride movement started as response to a hate crime murder in the PS69 schoolyard of, of Julio Rivera. So, you know, it's especially offensive to us in Jackson Heights. But um, it also, as like I said before, is Just polar opposite the kinds of lies and and, uh, propaganda they're spreading compared to what Drag Story Hour is really about. What you also see is that this is not really about Drag Story Hour. This is about a far right uh, culture war and propaganda being pushed by these individuals that's really about hate. Uh, against our LGBTQ plus community. And I think, you know, we know that. But like I said before, when you really hear the things that they're saying, the horrible things, versus going in to see how our kids are responding to the program, that puts it even more into into perspective too.
1: Yeah, that's a very striking comparison.
3: Absolutely. And this is really, we're talking about children's story hour, right? This is a children's story hour at our public library, which is a safe space. And so it's exactly what you think of uh, in terms of what a children's story hour is. And the other fact of the matter is that, you know, gender expression as a form of storytelling goes back uh, to the beginning of time, right? Whether you're talking about Shakespeare, Kabuki theater, um, you know, there's so many different across cultures. This gender expression as a form of storytelling uh, is very much embraced and a part of our culture for, for centuries. And so, again, we have to take a stand against this kind of hate. You're seeing it across the country where, you know, books are being banned in libraries. Um, libraries are being subject, uh, librarians are being subject to uh, criminal prosecution after Brooks and libraries. And I think it's, again, the same themes um, that we're seeing in Drag Story Hour. Um, it's really the, the values that we're teaching our children last for a lifetime um, and how they grow up being comfortable both in being who they are and expressing themselves in who they are and embracing everyone around them too and doing so from a perspective of love, not hate. Um, And that's what programs like Drag Story Hour um, and and, and the books in our libraries are teaching our children. And so that's really the vision of the world um, that we need to see and want to see, you know, in that choice, Drag Story Hour and programs like these that are inclusive always win um, because love will always win over hate. (laughs)
4: Thank <laughs> you.
1: Now, let's talk about what New Yorkers can do to help. Call your local library and ask them to book a Drag Story Hour event. Drag Story Hour NYC is an approved vendor with all three public library systems in the city. Call your city council member and ask them to allocate discretionary funding to Drag Story Hours. Follow Drag Story Hour NYC to stay up to date on events. We'll link to their website and social media pages in our show notes. Make sure your libraries and schools have plenty of literature that affirms diversity. And finally, share this episode with family and friends. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. And thanks for supporting us as we do our best to support our community. We couldn't do it without you. For more storytelling like this, visit us at epicenter-nyc.com. If you're not already a member, sign up today by using the link in our show notes. Our intro music is All the Pretty Horses by Karavica. You can find more of their music on their website, linked to in our podcast description.